pray. Father, uh, today we do, uh, Lord, we look forward to hearing from you. And, and Lord, what a great place we've been in Scripture, just kind of uh, being able to be uh, sort of eavesdropping on that whole time uh, up on the mount there, the, the, the uh, temple mount, and, and watch the interaction between you and others, and Lord, particularly the, the religious people. And God, today as we watch, is that kind of, as you take charge of that situation and you move in a mighty way and we see a Jesus that a lot of people try and deny and act like that part of you don't, doesn't exist. And Lord, I thank you, God, that you're not just so one-sided, but you're many-faceted. And we can look at this and understand, God, that, that you are a God who is a God of love but you're a God of righteousness and justice and purity. And so as we look here at this confrontation, Lord, I pray that we could learn for our own lives proper confrontation. And that God, more than that, we can learn for our own lives how to walk with you and not get caught up in religious systems and, and get caught up in rituals and, and ourselves get in a place where we get in your way of what you're doing in our lives. So bless this time and give us ears to hear, I pray, in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, as we are here uh, this morning, we're kind of hitting that place now where, if you remember, Jesus has been interacting with the Pharisees and, and hey, he talked to them for a while, then they asked him some questions, he answered them, asked them a question, and now we're hitting that place in chapter chapter 23, where he just kind of comes full bore at them, and he wants them to know exactly how he feels about what's going on, and he doesn't hold anything back. You know, when people tell me, and, and sometimes you see, and, and, and it's usually people who know nothing about Jesus, but they somehow have assumed he's only this, quote, Jesus who loves everybody and would never do anything, and then you read chapter 23, and you go, Wow. That is so different. And that's why it's important for us, number one, to be, uh, you know, biblical people. We're reading our Bibles, we're understanding, and we're getting the whole counsel of God as we go through that. Now, listen, the Pharisees have attacked him publicly. They've come to him, they've asked him questions, they've tried to put him down and tried to, tried to ruin what he's doing with people. He's answered those, he's handled those. Now, now, he's gonna come back at them publicly. It's kind of like they pick the fight, right? It's always interesting to me when people will pick a fight and then you come back and you, you stand your ground and they go, well, you can't do that, that's not fair. No, you threw the sand in my face first, right? In the sandbox and I'm gonna come back. And, and so Jesus is gonna come at them very publicly, but before he totally goes to them, he's gonna address the 12 and the other people who have been watching this interaction and this encounter. So once again, kind of get the idea. They're up on the Temple Mount. This interaction's been going on. People are all around. It didn't happen in some little obscure corner of the Temple Mount where everybody was just whispering. It was out in the open. And so, you know, I get this whole picture of, of just throngs of people around. And the disciples are there, you know, with him. And, and they've been watching the whole thing. And now, listen, Jesus addresses them and the crowd. And in verse 1, it says, Then Jesus spoke to the multitudes and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. So listen, as he begins to talk to them, again, get the idea. All of these are around. And I kind of, you know, 
I kind of feel that there's some separation with the Pharisees because they surely wouldn't want to touch anybody that was unclean and defile themselves. So there's something going on. But he begins to talk to them and the, the Pharisees are going to hear him and he knows they're going to hear him. But he addresses the crowd and the first thing he talks about is, hey, the scribes and the Pharisees, they sit in Moses' seat. Now, it doesn't mean that God gave them this authority in this place. As a matter of fact, the new, uh, uh, the new American Standard puts it this way. It says the scribes and the Pharisees have seated themselves in the chair of Moses. You see, they've taken it upon themselves that they would be the ones that are in authority and not necessarily that God ever gave them that authority. And we need to know that. They've usurped what God initially uh, uh, gave them and now they've taken it. So the Pharisees, we've talked about them a lot. We've talked a little bit, but again, a little bit more history. Remember, they came out of the time when Israel was in Babylon, right? The people, the children of Israel, God planted them in, in, the, in the Holy Land, so to speak, in, in Israel. Then they disobeyed God, so he removed them for 70 years. They were in captivity. And in Babylon, they couldn't, they couldn't do their temple worship. And that's where the whole idea of synagogues came from. They started meeting together in small groups and studying and, 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 and uh, you know, learning. And hopefully they were staying, uh, staying true to the word. But then out of that came these leaders, Pharisees, rabbis. And so, hey, then, hey, they, they were good when they started. And I hope you understand that. The Pharisees were great when they started. They protected the word. We wouldn't have the Old Testament if it wasn't for the Pharisees. So they protected it and they, they kept it safe. But the problem is, as they grew, they felt they had more authority, more authority, more authority. And by the time of Christ, they had written a whole bunch of writings on the Old Testament. Remember, there's 613 laws. They had 50 volumes in the Talmud of what those laws meant. Can you imagine trying to understand all of that? So you had to go to one of them. They had put themselves in that seat, in that position of authority. And here he calls it Moses' seat or Moses' chair. In a university, when a professor is usually the head of a department, what do we usually call them? They're the chair of that department. So these guys are like, I'm the chair, I know what's going on, and I'm the head of this, and I have it, you know, completely together. And so, hey, they're usurping that. Now, the scribes, same thing, good people. Ezra, we're studying the book of Ezra on Thursday nights. Ezra was a scribe. They did some good things until they began to take that authority upon themselves and believe that they were doing, you know, that they were doing what God wanted to do, but then they wanted to be in charge. They wanted to be in control. They wanted to be the ones that had everything. So here's what he's letting the multitude know. They're usurping that authority, but they still, and listen carefully, they still have the word of God in there. And that's what they need to pay attention to. So he tells them in verse three, therefore, whatever they tell you, observe that, uh, whatever they tell you to observe, that observe and do. But do not do according to their works, for they say and do not do. So here, listen, here he's telling them, hey, the things they tell you that's coming out of the word, do those things. You know, I think it's important we understand in that day there was heresy and false teaching. In our day, there's heresy and false teaching. But even in some of that, 
Sometimes truth comes through that. You know, I, when, when I was a younger Christian and, and I'd just gotten saved, I listened to everything and everybody. And I remember one time, man, on TV, I was listening to, you know, a televangelist that is a total heretic. And at the time, I didn't know. But you know what, man? He read part of Romans chapter 14, and that zinged into my heart at that time. Man, and hey, a bunch of stuff got out of my life, not because of him, but because of Romans chapter 14. And this is, what, this is what Jesus is telling them the same thing here. Hey, man, when they're bringing the word, then you do that because it's the word of God. But don't do what they do because they're all, they, hey, they, they're, they're the pretentious bunch. They, they go around acting all holy. Don't you love those people that act all holy and then they're living a life that's debauched and terrible and, you know, and they don't do the things that's these Pharisees, man. They would tell them and they'd act to have all this holiness around them, and yet they were living immoral lives and unjust lives. I remember being in Mexico one time praying with a guy. We were getting ready to fly into a, a really remote area, and we were praying with this guy. And I gotta be honest, I had never prayed with a person that could pray the way he prayed. I mean, he was weeping and praying and I thought wow man that guy knows how to go to heaven you know and I was just amazed again I was a younger Christian and I thought whoo we just went to heaven and back man and as he was praying and and you kind of and and he and he had all of this this kind of and I, at the time I didn't know it but this front he was putting on and I was so you know as a younger believer I was so enamored and I thought man when I grow up I want to pray like that I want to be that and so we flew into this area. When we flew back into that town, he was being arrested because he was molesting young girls. Same guy. Hmm. Hey, they do. They tell you what to do, but they themselves don't do it. They tell you all of these things. So Jesus is letting them know, hey, beware. And, but, but you know what? Watch people's lives. Saints, People will tell us all kinds of stuff, but watch your lives. Watch how they live their lives. And then you will know, hey, are they really walking with God? Oh, and then he goes a little bit further in verse four. For they, hand, or for they bind heavy burdens, hard to bear, and they lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their little fingers or one finger. Bottom line, hey, they're putting these burdens on you and they won't even lift a finger to help you and they're just kind of throwing them on you. What's implied here when, you know, in their generation, they were used to having the, the beasts of burden, animals that you would pack. And, and if you know anything about pack animals, whether it's a, you know, a, a small donkey, a mule, a horse, but a pack animal you got to load them properly if you don't load them properly they can't do what they got to do man because if you if you misload that you're going to tip them over you're going to mess them up and you got to be careful you got to watch what you're doing and here's what Jesus is saying these guys just throw the burden on you they don't care they don't care how it lands on you they don't care how it is and when you're all wobbly and going like this man they won't even they won't even take one little finger to help you they don't care all they care is about putting burdens on you. Know anybody like that? Again, early in my Christian life, I was pretty messed up, but it's a wonder I'm still here. 
When I was in that whole legalist stage and I was listening to a bunch of legalist people and, and a bunch of holiness guys and, and all of that going on. And, and you know, it was, a, it was a tough time in my life because, hey, it's hard. When you're a legalist, it's hard to even live up to your own standards. And then it's hard, you know, because you're knowing that you're probably the only one going to heaven that nobody else is going. I wasn't even sure if Danielle was gonna make it. You know, I was kinda, I was kinda like that. And, 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 and so you kinda get into that thing. And I remember I would listen to these guys, man, and you talk about putting burdens on you. Man, they would put burden after burden after burden. I remember one teacher saying that if you want the holy, this is how he said it, if you want the Holy Spirit, you have to be holy because he's the Holy Spirit and he would never indwell anybody that's not holy. Well, here's what I knew. In spite of being a legalist and all that, here's what I knew. I wasn't holy. Not to the degree that he was talking about. In other words, here's, I, th I think we all know this, right? We're not perfect. Nod your heads. Thank you. Some of you aren't real sure. <laughs> but man, I knew that. And, and, then, and then you try, you try so hard to, to and, and here's the thing, man. That guy just put burden on top of burden on top of burden. And you know, that eventually breaks you because you can't live under that kind of pressure. And so I would listen to these guys. Another guy I listened to, and these are, if I named them, you would know them. Another guy I listened to, here's what he said. If there's people in hell that you had an opportunity to share with, when you go to heaven, they're gonna point to you and they're gonna let you know that they're in hell because of you. Who can live with that? <laughs> right? I mean, wow. And hey, and they're in hell because you didn't share with them. Man, you can't live with that burden either. So I, I would get all these burdens and then I would put on, then I would put on a Pastor Chuck tape. If you're younger, a tape was a little square thing that you listened to that, you know. And I, I, would put on, I would put on a Pastor Chuck tape and I'd go, oh, that feels so good. And he would just simply teach the word simply and, and I would feel, oh man, and the burdens would get off. But then I would go back and listen. I don't know why I did this. I would go back and listen to the guys and get all burden laden and then come back to Chuck and go, oh. Finally, I decided, you know what? I think I'll just stick with the diet of Chuck. And that's when I went through the whole Bible with Chuck in my pottery shop there in Bisbee and, and went through the whole, you know, the whole Bible with him. But hey, just because, just because people aren't called Pharisees today doesn't mean people aren't putting burdens on us and trying to manipulate us and trying to control us. And you gotta be careful. Man, you have to be so careful. Now listen, I'm st I, still, I still wanna be holy, but you know what I found out? I can only be holy because the Holy Spirit is in me making me holy. It's not a work I do. It's my yielding to the Holy Spirit in my life so that I am changed and refined anyway. So hey, they put burdens on you and they laden you down and they won't even lift a finger. Listen to what Ezekiel, hey, this has been a problem since the beginning, since the fall. Man has had a problem with this whole thing of works, etc. Listen to Ezekiel in his generation. He says uh, in, in verse or chapter 34, it says, son of man, prophesy again the shepherds of Israel prophesy and say to them thus says the Lord God to the shepherds woe to the shepherds of Israel who feed themselves should not the shepherds feed the flocks you 
eat the fat and clothe yourselves with the wool. You slaughter the fatlings, but you do not feed the flock. The weak you have not strengthened, nor have you healed those who were sick, nor bound up the broken, nor brought back what was driven away, nor sought which was lost, but with force and cruelty you have ruled them. Hey, be careful, listen, be careful how you treat others, but be careful who you're listening to and who you're following and some of what you're, you're taking on. Jesus tells us, most of us know this scripture, right? We studied it, Jesus in chapter 11 of Matthew, come to me all of you who, are, who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest, take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly of heart and you will find rest for your souls, why? For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Go to Jesus. And so Jesus is warning these guys. Now, I want you to think about something as we're working through this. The multitudes and the disciples, the apostles hanging out, all they have ever known their whole life was the pharisaical system. It's all they knew. You gotta understand, man, this is new revelation to them. This is intense for them. In other words, man, I, I think those guys are like hearing this and going, wow, really? And that they, they've gotta absorb this, they gotta understand. Hey, you and I, sometimes we share with people and we, we get a little bit uptight because they don't get it. They got a whole life they have to kind of, you know, in some ways, erase or put aside and begin to embrace something new. These guys, man, this was, I, I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure a lot of the multitude, their jaws are dropped open right now because all they've ever known were those guys were the holy guys and we need to listen to them and we need to follow them. Remember that when you're sharing, especially with religious people. Man, when, when we share with religious people sometimes, man, we want, hey, we're, we, want, we, we begin by tearing down everything they believe in and tearing it down and ripping it out from under them and saying, now follow this. And they're going, do what? And you just ripped everything away from them and stripped them. Be careful as you do that. You might want to take it apart a little at a time and give them some breathing space. That's what Jesus is doing here. And he's letting them know, hey, these guys, these guys are abusing you. They're taking advantage of you. And you need to know that. Oh, he points out more in verse five. He says, listen, but all their works they do to be seen by men. They make their phylacteries broad and, and enlarge the borders of their garments. So, hey man, these guys, listen man, these guys, these guys had the show going on. They looked so good. When they, came, when they were out in public, everybody would go, woo, look at that guy. I've shared the phylacteries. Remember, we talked about them last week. The phylacteries are, were supposed to be little, little, well, they weren't even supposed to be, but the ones that they did were, were little boxes that they put on their head, and, and they still do in Israel today. And, and I shared with you, it looked like kind of a little Go, GoPro camera right on the top of their head and, and on their wrists. That's sort of, that's about the size it was. Well, the really holy ones would make them honking big, like they had a house on top of their head, you know? And people would go, wow, that guy must be holy. Hey, they were only supposed to contain remember these four scriptures were in there and and I guess maybe they didn't have a small enough font so they had to make it bigger so they would enlarge it and the other one would go halfway up their arm and and so people would go well these guys must be holy and they're all enamored with it and they're looking at them and that's what hey that's what religious people do 
They put on a show, and there's nothing going on inside. And he says, hey, watch these guys. And then, and then, hey, the borders of their garments, again, something. And by the way, God never told them to do the phylacteries. God told them that to keep the word of God ever before them on the, on the front net of their head. In other words, he didn't say stick a GoPro camera up here to do it. He said, hey, man, keep it in front of you. Put it on your hand in the sense that you embed it in your heart so that all of your actions are according to the word of God, not tie some leather thing on you. But they had taken it to that. And then in Numbers 15, he had told them, he had told them how to do the hems of their garments so that, so that it showed some kind of, I belong to Jesus and I'm part of this thing or, or belong to God, I guess. But, but listen, man, and these guys thought, well, hey, if a little bit's good, we're going to make ours even better. And they had these big, huge hems, so everybody would know, well, he's one of those. By the way, there were different sects of Pharisees, so they would have different markings, and we're kind of like us with, you know, NFL uh, shirts that we wear, you know. So they would they'd have their, their sect of, of uh, uh, Pharisee, Pharisaical uh, robe that they would wear so these guys are out there but notice what their big thing was here was their main thing the works they did they did to be seen by men I believe our greatest work our greatest devotion our greatest love of God should never be displayed publicly I believe that with all my heart if we do what we do so people can see us and go Woo, you are holy. You're blowing it. And here's what I know, we all, we all have egos. We have this thing that, that we want people, we want people to like us, we want people to kind of think we're okay. And we can do that, but watch out. I hate in Christianity, I call it dog and pony shows. When leaders are doing things to impress people and make themselves look good or their ministry look good. We're supposed to make Jesus look good. We're supposed to point people to him. And I see some of it. One of the guides we use in Israel, Ronnie Simone, was guiding one time for a major evangelist. I'll tell you who it was. It was Benny Hinn. And he was doing guiding for Benny Hinn, and I asked him, I, I was, I'm just, I'm honest. I said, why would you do that? And he said, because he had 20 buses, and it looked good on my resume. I mean, hey, you gotta understand. Now, don't be judging Ronnie. It's okay. It's a business he's doing, right? He's a guide, and he wants to build his resume and do it. And I understood that. I said, well, that kind of makes sense, man. You're the head guy over 20 buses, man. That, you get that on your resume. That's giving you a little bit of clout in the guide world. So, hey, don't, you know, don't get all uptight. That part was okay. But then, here's the interesting thing. Benny Hinn was going to do a big, a big event in a soccer stadium. And Ronnie has a son and at that time, his son had some deformity. He was born with some kind of deformity in his leg, and, and uh, it was pretty severe. And he was younger then. He's in college now. But Benny Hinn told Ronnie, bring your son to the stadium, and I will heal him. You know what Ronnie said? Here's where you've got to admire Ronnie. Ronnie said, no way. You're not going to make a show out of my son. And if you're going to heal him, come home with me 
and pray for my son and heal him in my home. He didn't go. Now, what, what I love about this whole story is a year later, Calvary chapels that had used Ronnie as a guide got together, got money together, flew his son to America to get the surgery he needed so he would be healed without telling anybody. It wasn't a big thing. It wasn't like, we're flying Ronnie's son to Houston. Da, da, da. No, they just did it. And see, that's the difference. And we gotta watch out for that when people are doing stuff like that. Man, we got to be careful. When it's all about show and all about people going, whoa, look at you. And so, man, he says, hey, watch out. Now, now can you imagine, can you imagine the crowd once again? Hey, they thought all of that stuff, I'm sure most of them thought that stuff was good. And now Jesus just pointed it out and they're going, man, I didn't think of it that way. And they're kind of, and I think, the, I think the Pharisees, I think they're like growling right now, right? We want to kill you so bad. We wanted to kill you two chapters ago. But we, you know, and man, you got that going down. Oh, and he's not done. And here's the crazy thing. He's not even talking to them yet. Hmm? So after that, listen. And he says in verse six, they love the best places at the feast and the best seats in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplace. And they love to be called by men, rabbi, rabbi. Hey, they're all about titles. They're all about position. They're all about prestige. They want all of these things that, again, when you see people do that, nothing, nothing bothers me more than when I see other believers trying to use their Christianity for some kind of position and some kind of, you know, something going on. I just, I, I'm like, why are you doing that? And these guys, man, hey, these guys, and then they want the title. Call me rabbi. Rabbi, by the way, the, the real term, because usually we, we think of rabbi as teacher, and, and we'll talk about that in a moment, but rabbi basically meant this, supreme one, excellency, you know, that's our most knowledgeable one. Hey, they were the ones that they looked up to, and it was okay. And here's the thing. It would be okay to call someone rabbi, but it's not okay to want to be called rabbi. Do you see the difference? You see, if you're wanting it, you're wanting that position, you're wanting that recognition. Oh, and another interesting thing when we think about people wanting certain titles, this word, etymology, came out, it eventually came out in Latin, and it's the root word that we get doctor for, not medical doctor, but a doctorate, you know, someone who gets a doctorate for who wants to be called doctor. It bothers me when some people have a doctorate and they want you to call them doctor. Why do you want to do that? It's great that you have a doctorate and there's nothing wrong with that unless you're going, would you please address me as doctor? No. It's okay to tell them that. No, I don't think I want to do that. I'll just call you Joe, okay? How's that? That's picking a name that I'm not looking at any Joes right now. So, so listen, man, they, they wanted that and they desire that and they want that title and they want the best places in the synagogue. And then, and then it gets, now Jesus gets into the whole idea of titles. And he says in verse eight, but you, 
You do not be called rabbi, for one is your teacher, the Christ, and you are all brother. And here's what he's saying. Don't look for some kind of title to give yourself. You're all brother and you're all together. Hey, we're all in this thing together. And then he says, he goes further and he says, hey, do not call anyone on earth father, for one is your father and he, it is he who is in heaven. And do not be called teacher or some translations say master, for one is your master and that's the Christ. In other words, man, be careful when we start going in that direction. And listen, I know today we have some titles. I know, hey, some of you are going, well, you use the title pastor. Yeah, I use the title pastor because in my mind, here's what pastor means, the servant, the one who's serving, the one who's taking care of, the one who's concerned. But I don't go around telling people, you must call me Pastor Pat. You can call me Pat, I don't care. You can call me a lot of things, just... And some of you do, so it's okay. But hey, you know, and, and here's the thing, man. Here's what I know. I know that what I do, what I do, when I give out the word of God, here's what I know. It's the word of God, not me. And if you're affected by the word of God and something happens in your life, here's what I know. It's not me. It's the Holy Spirit working in you, revealing the truth to you. And we keep that in line and, and then you don't go around. And, and I talk to some young, sometimes young guys, they, they like, man, if I could just be called pastor. And I always tell them, it's not that great. But, you know, and, and it's like, why do you want that title? Why are you going for that? Why don't you just do what God has called you to do? And hey, if things happen in your life, fine. If they don't, it's okay because God never called you. Hey, a title does not make you that the title of pastor does not make you a pastor. What makes you a pastor is someone who is pastoring, doing what the Bible says. The call of God is what changes you and what makes you whatever it is, whether you're, you want the title, you know, a missionary or whatever. It's the call of God in your life. So Jesus here is saying, you guys, be careful. Be careful. Don't look for those titles. Again, he's talking to them, and then he tells them, listen, but he who is greatest among you shall be your servant. He's already talked about this, right? And whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he he who humbles himself will be exalted. Once again, man, we're to serve each other. In the world, the world teaches us we climb over people to get where we want. Christianity teaches us to be ladders so others can be exalted and lifted up. And man, we need to be those who are serving. You know, whenever I think of this, I always think of John chapter 13, and, and I think most of us are very familiar with John chapter 13, the whole foot washing scene. I love, I love that part. It's gonna happen in a, in a little bit here in Matthew, but Matthew won't cover it. But I love that part because here's the thing. Man, when those guys, I think of the 12, these were, these were people Jesus picked to take charge once he was gone, right? One guy, one guy always says they were the apostles, not the B-apostles. So, man, hey, these are the guys, man. These are the guys he chose. And they went in that room that day and think about this, man. Get it in your head. They went in that room. They knew, why the, they knew why that basin was there. They knew why that towel was there. And here's what else they knew. The lowest one of all of them was supposed to do the foot washing. And every single one of them walked past that basin. I ain't gonna do it. I'm sure most of them thought Thaddeus should do it. 
And you guys are going, why Thaddeus? Because no one remembers his name. That's why he's like, and you know, nobody will remember you, Thaddeus. Why don't you do it, you know? And hey, they all walked by that, and not one of them touched that until Jesus picked it up. Don't you know there was a clamoring when Jesus picked it up? Don't you know when Jesus grabbed that basin and like, oh, let me get that, too late. And then he washed your feet and, you know, I, I think what a scene and what's, you know, something for us to think about. And now, you know, I, I, I've been a part a couple times of foot washings and it's always a drag. Because everybody, it's always announced and people come with clean socks, clean feet, or, you know, perfume them and powder them and, you know, it's all, hey, you know what, if you want to do a real foot washing, we could, we could do a foot washing here about, what, about mid-July, when you're wearing flip-flops and your feet stink and you like got dirt caked on them and, and then, hey, then, then it's real, right? Hey, I sold shoes for a while. You have never experienced foot funk <laughs> until you have measured some eight-year-old's foot after he's been on a playground all day long. There's some grime in there, man. You push that sock down and stuff just oozes. So hey, that's what foot washing should be. Not all of this pristine, pretty, nice, let's, let's decorate it all and make it nice. No, let's get a bunch of eight-year-olds off the playground. So Jesus says we need to humble ourselves and he demonstrated that and he told it and even in that scene, remember Jesus said, hey you guys, you know what I'm doing? And they go, yeah. And I'm thinking, you so do not. You're not getting this. It's not about washing feet. It's about placing yourself in a, in, a, in a place of a servant and wanting to see others grow and others change and others, you know, become who they're supposed to be in Christ. And so, hey, man, he says, you and I need to do this. Peter was there that day. Listen to what Peter wrote. He wrote this in 1 Peter. He says, shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, and not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when Christ, the chief shepherd, appears, you will see the crown of glory that does not fade away. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another. Be clothed in humility, for God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And then Jesus, again, listen, that day there on the Temple Mount impacted Peter's life. And Peter got it. And Peter wrote it later. Does that mean that Peter was always humble? Probably not. But man, we gotta walk away from here today knowing something. Beware of becoming religious because I think we all have that in us. We all have a little bit of, man, I wanna impress somebody. And some of us, we think we gotta earn something from God. You need to know, man, God loves you right now as much as he's ever gonna love you. You don't have to earn his love. He's demonstrated his love by sending his son. His son demonstrated his love by going to the cross so we could have eternal life. And yet there's times where we wanna do it on our own. We think, man, I can do this. Be careful. And be careful when you're talking to other people. You know, we can come across very pharisaical 
especially when we're talking people in the world and people doing things that we don't agree with. Saints, be careful. Watch out. Don't act like you are so holy. You know, I like the idea that sometimes we just need to get in the dirt with them. And we need to pull them out of that dirt, man. We need to say, come on. But yet, some of us, we're like, whoa, those people? Yeah, those people. Because when you're saying, those people, you know who you sound like? Pharisee. So watch out. Be careful. And then in the body of Christ, let's be a bunch of servants. So I'm going to end with this. If you haven't registered your kids, you better run over there and register them right now. (laughs) And get that taken care of. Let's stand up and pray. Lord, we do, we thank you for the challenge here in your word. And, and God, I do pray. I pray, for, I pray for myself. I pray for my brothers and sisters that, Lord, what we've read today, what we've looked at here this morning, God, that it would be an impact in our life. And God, I know some of us might think, hey, I'm not in any kind of, quote, leadership position. I'm not doing that. Hey, we're all leaders someplace, And so I pray that we would heed your word. We would guard our hearts first and foremost against becoming those kind of people. People who usurp authority. People who hold themselves much higher than everybody else. People who think about outwardly looking like something they're not. People seeking titles and position. But God, take what we've learned today and make it real in our lives and let us guard against that in our own hearts and then let us guard against those we allow to influence our lives and come into our lives, whether it's through, whether it's through some kind of podcast or, or uh, some kind of thing we're watching on the, on the internet, some, you know, quote, latest, greatest Teacher, Lord, let us have some discernment and that we would be careful of the diet, the spiritual diet we take in. And I'm gonna ask you to stay in an attitude of prayer for another couple moments. And if you are here today and you've never given your heart to Jesus, and by that what we mean is you've never asked him to forgive you of your sins and to come into your life, and to lead you and to guide you, then you know what, man? You need to do that this morning. You're not here by accident. Maybe somebody brought you. Maybe somebody invited you. Maybe you just walked in. But you know what? Today is the day of salvation. And I'm gonna challenge you, man. You're here, and you're hearing the word of God, and it's doing something to you. So you need to make a choice. You need to either follow him or not. You need to know that today, You can call on the name of the Lord and be saved. But first, you gotta admit you're a sinner. Secondly, you need to be sorry for your sin. You need to understand that your sin separates you from God. And then lastly, you need to know that Jesus Christ has taken everything you deserve and taken it upon himself, paid the price, and now he offers you this receipt that says paid in full. And all you have to do is accept that this morning. It's a choice you can make. You can either accept it or not, and you're free to make that choice. Maybe you're backslidden. 
Man, you decided to come to church today. Maybe you're, maybe you're even standing there right now saying, why did I come today? You came today, why? Because Jesus loves you and he's drawing you and you need to come back to Jesus. Man, you need to come home and be where you need to be. If you're watching online, you can, same thing, man. You can say this prayer with us. You don't need to be here. Just, hey, call on the name of the Lord and you will be saved. So you can say this out loud. I'm gonna lead you in a prayer. You can say it out loud or you can say it silently. Volume doesn't matter, but what matters, sincerity of heart. You gotta be sincere. Jesus, today I confess to you that I am a sinner. I'm sorry that I sinned against you, God. And right now I'm asking you to forgive me Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Thank you this morning for your forgiveness. And right now, I want you to come into my heart and change me. Jesus, I want you to come into my life and guide me. Today, I want you to be my Lord and my Savior. If that's the cry of your heart and you said that prayer and you meant it sincerely, I'm gonna ask you to put your hand up in the air, put it high up in the air so we can rejoice with you, pray for you. Anyone in here, greatest, greatest decision you'll ever make. Father, we thank you today for your grace in our lives. Thank you for challenging us. And God, we do, we wanna go out those doors and we wanna be people who carry with us that fragrance of Christ. That we would be the men and women of God that you've designed us to be and that we would bring you glory and honor with our lives and with our words. And we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.